the Bible reading today is from Revelation chapter 2, starting at verse 11, and that can be found on page 1234. To the angel of the church in Ephesus, write, These are the words of him who holds the seven stars in his right hand and walks among the seven golden lampstands. I know your deeds, your hard work and your perseverance. I know that you cannot tolerate wicked people, that you have tested those who claim to be apostles but are not and have found them false. You have persevered and have endured hardships for my name and have not grown weary. Yet I hold this against you. You have forsaken the love you had at first. Consider how far you have fallen. Repent and do the things you did at first. If you do not repent, I will come to you and remove your lampstand from its place. But you have this in your favour. You hate the practices of the Nicolaitans, which I also hate. Whoever has ears, let him hear what the Spirit says to the churches. To the one who is victorious, I will give the right to eat from the tree of life, which is in the paradise of God. To the angel of the church in Smyrna, write, These are the words of him who is the first and the last, who died and came to life again. I know your afflictions and your poverty, yet you are rich. I know about the slander of those who say they are Jews and are not, but are a synagogue of Satan. Do not be afraid of what you are about to suffer. I tell you, the devil will put some of you in prison to test you, and you will suffer persecution for ten days. Be faithful, even to the point of death, and I will give you life as your victor's crown. Whoever has ears, let them hear what the Spirit says to the churches. The one who is victorious will not be hurt at all by the second death. This is the word of the Lord. So we're in Revelation. And let's be honest, Revelation's a bit weird, just a little bit. Um, And this is one of the slightly less weird passages at the beginning. Um, In this section, so in chapter one, we hear the start of John, uh, the Apostle John. He's in exile on Patmos and he has a vision. And in the vision, Jesus appears to him. But not like the Jesus that we normally think. This is Jesus who has white hair and a sword for a tongue and feet of bronze. Jesus comes to him and he speaks to him. And he starts dictating him letters. And he dictates seven letters to seven different churches. And we have read two of them today. And the seven letters go to um, seven churches in Asia Minor, which will be modern-day Turkey. Um, So these are perhaps some of the easier bits of Revelation to understand, but even these have some oddities in them. And there's too much to cover in the five minutes that I have. So I'm going to give you some facts to help unpack the uh, passage and then a thought for us to ponder. So a little bit about some of the terminology that's being used. As I said, this is a vision that John's had and he sees Jesus. And Jesus is walking among seven golden lampstands and holding seven stars. And it explains in chapter 1 that the seven stars are the angels of the churches and the seven lampstands are the seven churches, these seven churches in Asia Minor. And if you look at the ceiling up there, right at the front, there are seven golden lampstands. Because this whole ceiling is about revelation. But those, if you've ever wondered what the seven like oil lamps are, that's referring to the seven churches here in chapter 2. 
So that's why there's angels and stars and references to those. Um, the bit about writing to the angels of the churches, that's a bit odd. We don't quite know what that is. But there's obviously something to do with angels and humans and communicate communication between the two. And that there, it, you can communicate with heavenly beings, but that is influenced by earthly events, but also communication to earth can happen with heavenly beings as well. Um, but I don't have time to go into that more specifically today. So a few bits of more information. Um, I really like these letters because they are written to particular churches in particular places at a particular time. So each of the letters has like little nods to the locality. Um, so in the, the one to the Ephesus, it says at the end, I will give the right to eat from the tree of life. Now we know what that is. We've heard about the tree of life in Genesis and it appears again later on in Revelation. But actually, if you know that in Ephesus there was a massive temple to a, a goddess, Artemis, huge temple, it took up most of the city. And in that temple there was a particular tree that acted as a shrine and a place of asylum. And so this tree was really important. And so in this letter, they're saying, but there is a better tree. There's a better tree. And referencing, and um, those who were in Ephesus would have known that when they heard about a tree of life, they know that this is talking about a different tree, but they would know about the tree in the temple of Artemis as well. And likewise, Smyrna was a, a city was completely destroyed a few hundred years before this was. So it, it was a city that had come back from the death back to life. And so at the, end, at the beginning it says, these are the words of him who died and came to life again. Of course we know that that's Jesus, but as a city, Smyrna understood the idea of resurrection, of dying and coming back to life again. And all through the letters you see these little hints, but actually they all have relevance to us today as well. So Ephesus, we've got two towns named here today. Ephesus was the major city in Turkey at the time in Asia Minor. It was the major one. And it was the major, a major city for um, Centre for Christianity as well. Uh, in 431, there was a council there. The early church had these big councils that gathered every uh, once in a while to debate some of the major issues on doctrine. And so Ephesus held a council there in 431. But interestingly, there's no active church there now or anywhere in the region nowadays. Smyrna does still exist. It's now called Izmir, and it's Turkey's second largest city. And it was wealthy, even at this point, although the Christians are clearly poor. And there's one last reference I want to explain a little bit, uh, which is it references the Nicolaitans. <coughs> you hate what the Nicolaitans do. We don't know what the Nicolaitans were doing or teaching. They appear again in chapter 3. Um, and we don't know. No, no scholar has ever worked out who these Nicolaitans are. But they're clearly doing something that is opposed to the gospel. They are against the true message of Christ. So those are some things that might help you with some queries that you might have about that. But I want to raise one particular point just for us to ponder. And the thing that struck me was that in the letter to Ephesus, there's loads of praise. Uh, Jesus says to them, I know your deeds, your hard work, your perseverance. You can't tolerate wicked people. You test apostles. You've persevered. You've endured hardships. 
Have you not grown weary? They're zealous. They follow correct teaching. And actually, there's a letter uh, by a guy called Bishop Ignatius, which is written about 107 to 110 AD, so not very long after Revelation, but a little while after. Um, And we know from that letter as well that even then, the Ephesians were really hot on false teachers. They were like... False teachers were cropping up all over the place and they were saying all sorts of weird things and elsewhere people were listening to them but in Ephesus they couldn't even get in the door of the churches. They were really hot on keeping correct doctrine. They were taught really well. And then in verse 4, yet I hold this against you. You have forsaken the love you had at first. And that was the verse that really struck me. You've forsaken the love you had at first. How often do we get caught up in doing the right thing and saying the right thing? We might have all the teaching. We might know what's what. But we forget what motivated us in the first place. And here it is love. You've forsaken the love you had at first. And it goes on in verse 5. It says, repent and do the things you did at first. So here, love is clearly an action. It's not just an emotion. It's not just an attitude, but it's an action. Perhaps some of the commentators I was reading were suggesting perhaps the early Christians are really well known for their hospitality and their practical help. They welcomed people and they helped people in a culture that you didn't help people outside your ethnic group or your religious group. Um, They helped people who were sick, who were in prison, who were orphans, who were widows, even if they weren't members of the church. It's one of the reasons why the churches grew so fast. And this was unheard of outside the Christian world, the Christian uh, faith. So perhaps the Ephesians are so caught up in doing and teaching the right thing and making sure they follow the correct teaching that they've forgotten to do those things of hospitality and practical help. Perhaps they'd forgotten to act in love. Or perhaps their interests were coming first. So they were still doing those things, but when it was convenient, when it suited them, once they got their own stuff in order. So the challenge for us that I felt came out of this is are our churches, our Christian organisations that we work in, or as individuals, are we so focused inwards on holding the correct beliefs, having the right attitudes? And don't get me wrong, those are really important. But are we so focused on the inward stuff that we're forgetting our first love? We're forgetting to do those things that God has called us to do, those things that spurred us on, the things that motivated us in the beginning. Yet I hold this against you. You have forsaken the love you had at first. Consider how far you have fallen. Repent and do the things you did at first.